Miracy. I don't think the question is ever, should I write a book? I think the question is really more, is it the right time for a book? How will a book serve my goals? And what book should I then write? Hello, and welcome to Blowing Up, the podcast that shows entrepreneurs like you how other businesses exploded, of course, in the best possible way. I'm Linda Claire Puig, the founder and CEO of Six Figure Newsletters, and I'm here with my co-host, Ari Eni, the head of strategy for the ACES Business Acceleration Program at Miracy. Hey there, Linda. In each episode of Blowing Up, we showcase an entrepreneur whose business, yes, blew up. It experienced what seemed to be a sudden success, but as we all know, that kind of success is not random or a fluke. The company employed a specific strategy that caused its rapid rise in revenue. So today we're going to dive into that strategy so that you can learn from it and determine how you might apply elements of it to your business. In this episode, we get some seriously helpful insider tips on writing and publishing books, including how you can use them to massively grow your business. From someone who's been in the industry, according to family stories, since she was three years old. Our guest is Ali Mashadi, CEO of the Writer's Ally, where she oversees a team of publishing industry professionals who help serious authors to write, publish, and sell more high-quality books. Welcome to Allie, and now let's jump right into the conversation. A lot of authors, especially new authors, all of their marketing revolves around that idea of selling copies and selling books. And, and of course, I get that, right? Like you invest a lot of time and money into publishing a book. Absolutely, you want to see some of that back. But for most nonfiction authors in particular, the real value of a book actually lies in the opportunities that the book can bring you not necessarily in the book itself. And for that reason, sometimes that means giving lots of books away for free, because if you give it away for free, you can get it into the hands of that many more people and get that much more exposure. So it's things like sending copies of your book along with a speaker one sheet to book yourself as a speaker or a workshop host, for example, or companies might want to hire you to lead a retreat, or they want to buy like a huge batch of the books for their employees getting media opportunities, and even things like just running pure giveaways online through things like joint venture partnerships or promoting it with ads. You know, again, you're getting your book out to thousands of potential clients in a relatively short period of time. So that book, the real value there could be selling your next online course or a workshop or a coaching program. That's awesome. Um, And I can see how it can be super useful and super impactful. Do you have a favorite story of a client that you've had, they finally had the book and they used it in one of these ways that you were talking about and suddenly things exploded for them. This was more about the author needed to make a slight pivot in his business. He was trying to better position himself into a different area. He had a really fantastic platform, lots of cred, big mailing list, thriving business, but his business was built around these fitness boot camps. He was a former Navy SEAL and he had translated the kind of physical programs that SEALs go through into a boot camp for civilians. So a lot of the people who participated in his programs and the people who really followed his work were actually high-level C-suite people, entrepreneurs, CEOs. 
um, folks of that nature tended to be really attracted to his extreme fitness approach and his fitness challenges. And they really resonated with all of the goal setting and the mindset stuff that he was doing as part of that. So he recognized an opportunity to shift from that fitness space into a larger leadership or business space and really grow his business in that way. And that's what the book was. The Way of the Seal came out of that work. And as a result of it, I mean, he's really well known now as a leadership and goal setting expert, um, focusing on teams, focusing on corporate retreats. He's doing consulting for big organizations like hospitals and nonprofits and things like that. Just by having that book that was able to take the stuff he had already been doing and package it differently for a new audience in a new context and then leverage the audience he had to launch it was a huge national bestseller and um, grew his business pretty significantly. If someone is earlier in their career, they're figuring it out, how important is it that they have a clear goal for the book and a clear idea around it and what it's supposed to accomplish for them? I don't think the question is ever, should I write a book? I think the question is really more, is it the right time for a book? How will a book serve my goals? And what book should I then write? There's a really important connection between what book you write and what goals you have for the book, right? Like, what do you want the book to do for you out in the world? If you don't have some clarity around what that end goal is, it's going to make it a lot more difficult to make sure that you're really tailoring the content of the book in the way that it would support that goal. Are there any parameters that you are always looking at when looking at a book project of, you know, okay, you don't have these things, so maybe it's not a good idea right now? I don't know if there's a hard minimum criteria as far as the numbers go, but I definitely look for how long have you been in business? How long have you been working with this content? Do you actually have case studies and stories of people that you've brought through it? Do you have a mailing list or any kind of established presence at all? So there are a lot of different elements, but I do look to make sure people have at least some of those elements in place. Are there others that you can think of for whom publishing a book was a real um, turning point in their business. This gentleman, Rob Commodore, I worked with a couple of years ago. He had a really large real estate business, but in his heart, he very much wants to do more speaking and more inspirational work, in particular, mindset, meditation, personal growth and development, and that sort of thing. What helped him to make it happen was the ability to tap into a really, really strong network of clients as a realtor. He was just a great relationship guy for years. Every year on Thanksgiving, he would send out invitations to hundreds of people on his mailing list, all people for whom he had sold homes or helped them to buy homes. And he would give out pies, like hundreds of pies for Thanksgiving (laughs) every year. Like 300, 400. Tell tell me the word pie is going to be in the book title. (laughs) Oh my goodness, crazy. It's not, right? It kind of it, it would have been a funny thing if it was. So he had true friendships with some of these people for decades. You know, he sold them a house decades ago, but every year he would see them at Thanksgiving and they'd chat and he'd give them a pie and how you doing? And, you know, so he had this really, really strong network to tap into. And he also had his professional network of realtors as well. He leveraged what he had to launch this book. It hit number one, and I think four or five different categories. He had like more than 50 reviews right out of the gate. I think he's well over a hundred by now. And more important than anything else is that he's been getting tons of speaking engagements, even in COVID, you know, he was doing webinars and he was doing all these teleseminars for realtor groups 
all over the country. And it started to move beyond realtors as you know that engine starts to pick up. People would hand the book to a friend. They would tell somebody at their church, like whatever it was. He hasn't quit the realtor business. That's still his primary thing. And he loves it. But now he has this very healthy side hustle where he gets to speak and indulge in that passion all because of that book. What do you say to people that are like, I can't write a book that hasn't already been written. I'm just going to be one of tons of other books on this topic, X, Y, Z. That's a very, very common fear. Um, And I think it's a really valid fear, especially these days, because there are quite literally millions of books available on almost any given topic, especially the most popular topics. It goes back to that idea of what do you want the book to do for you? Let's say you want to launch a new online course about some particular topic. And you already have a mailing list, you have something of a network, you have a business, you've been doing whatever it is that you do for a while. Those people are interested in your book, not because you're saying something totally groundbreaking that no one's ever said before. They're interested in you. They're interested in your unique perspective, your unique take on things, your unique system and way of doing things. People don't just buy one book, right? If people are interested in how to grow their business. They don't just buy one book on that subject. Mm -hmm. If people are interested in, you know, how to live a healthier life, right? They don't just buy one book. So if someone does decide, okay, great, I'm going down this path, a book is the right answer for me. What would you say are fair expectations from the book? Okay. So I wanted to put some things out there about, about time and impatience. If you're interested in traditional publishing, if you're planning to submit to agents and publishers, you're looking at an average of two to three years from the point where you get the deal to the point where your book is in print. And it could be a lot longer. Um, You can significantly shorten that time span if you go the indie route. Uh, But even in that case, I strongly encourage authors, especially new authors, to give themselves more time than they think they need. At least six to nine months just for the editing and publishing process, not counting however much time you actually need to write the book. Editing very roughly breaks into two sort of stages. You have a development stage and then you have a polishing stage. And a lot of new authors, they hear editing and they just think of what is actually called copy editing. They think of correcting like typos and punctuation and grammar, but that developmental stage happens first. That developmental editor's job is to look at what you've written, listen to you about what you wanted to write, what you want the book to accomplish, what you set out to do, and to make sure you're actually doing it in the best way possible, in the most effective way possible, and with an eye towards what's trending in the marketplace. What's your category doing? What kind of expectations do people who read in that category need to see? So that developmental piece, I think a lot of people don't understand that has to happen before you get to that polishing stage. Talk a little bit about that, Allie, the the decision-making around traditional publishing versus self-publishing. So some of it comes down to personal preference. For example, if you are a person who likes to move quickly, traditional publishing is going to frustrate the hell out of you. It is a very, very slow-moving process. It can take six months to a year to get an agent on board then the agent has to sell it to the publisher. That could take another six months to a year or sometimes even more. I've known agents to shop books around for a few years before they find a home. Then you get the book deal. Then there's contract negotiations. That can take more months. Then there's actually editing and finishing and polishing the book. Then they're selling it. I mean, it's quite literally years. What would be a benefit of traditional publishing? Because everything you said makes it sound like, why would you? Uh, There can be a lot of benefits. (laughs) With traditional publishing, because the numbers of books that you can sell are usually so much larger, you can actually make a lot more money on book sales. 
The benefit can also sometimes come in terms of what doors you want opened. It's a lot harder to get very large mainstream media opportunities with a self-published book, unless you already have a huge, huge platform behind you. Whereas if you just have enough of a platform and enough credentials to get that book deal with a traditional publisher, they're the ones who are going to be able to get you on the Good Morning Americas and the NPR and like all of these different shows and newspapers and magazines and channels, the major influencers, right? But it's all proportional too. So you're handing over control. You're going to make a much smaller piece of the pie financially, but you'll get a lot more books out there. If you self-publish, you might get fewer books out there, but you might make more money. You definitely would have a lot more control and you might be able to leverage that book in ways that a traditional publisher wouldn't let you. I meet a lot of people who run businesses, want to take that book and they want to break it up and use it in lots of different ways. Traditional publishers don't usually like that. Mm, That's interesting. Mm -hmm. And one of the awesome things about independent publishing is that nobody defines success but you. How clear do they need to be on their target reader? It's really important to understand who your target reader is going to be because it affects everything. It affects what the basic concept of your book even is. It affects the tone that you might take or the approach that you might take. It definitely affects your marketing. It affects where you're going to sell the book, where you're going to market it. It might even affect things like format. You can't sell your book to people if you don't know who and where they are. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I mean, it's everything. It's everything in a business and especially in a book. Are you going to talk the same way to a recent mother that just needs to lose 10 pounds versus somebody who's been inside their house and weighs 500? No, of course not. You would not speak the same way, even though the goal is the same. Yeah, absolutely true. So people who are thinking about writing their first book, using this as a way to grow their business, where do they usually get stuck in the process? I find that people most often get stuck in writing the book and in marketing the book. If you're struggling to write your book, I would say, first consider if the problem is your writing habits. Like maybe you simply don't have enough time, right? It takes time. You can't just expect to sit down in five minutes and like write five pages. If you don't see something obvious about your writing habits, there might be a fundamental flaw with your concept that's keeping you stuck. You know, sometimes you are trying to write for too broad an audience, right? And that's the reason that you're stuck. A good editor or a book coach can weigh in as early as your outline stage to really help with that. Make sure you're trying to write a book onto good bones. You know, if the bones are misaligned, the writing isn't going to flow. And with marketing in particular, it's often a problem of not knowing what you don't know. There might be something you're missing. Like maybe you've been hammering on certain marketing tactics that are totally inappropriate for your audience or your type of book. There's no shortage of ways to market a book or use a book to market your business. It's just that not every way is right for every author. So let's talk. One of the messages that really rings in my ears from this conversation with Allie is don't underestimate how much time it takes and how much effort goes into writing and publishing a really great book, even if you're self-publishing. I really had to hoof it when I was writing my last book because I hadn't heeded this message. Big thanks to Allie for sharing her love of books and how they can help your business. Be sure to watch Allie's Publish Smarter webinar series. 
The answers that you find here will help you take your book from written to published in the most efficient way possible. Plus, you'll discover how to avoid common mistakes that frustrate and slow down new authors. You can get access to the series at blowingup.rocks forward slash alley. That's blowingup.rocks forward slash alley. A-L-L-Y. This episode of Blowing Up was produced by Linda Claire Puig. Cynthia Lamb is our managing producer and Danny Eaney, our executive producer. Post-production by Post Office Sound. To make sure you catch all the really great episodes of Blowing Up, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. And if you like the show, we'd love it if you could leave us a starred review or share the show with a friend. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. I certainly am willing to admit what I don't know. I tend to hold my truths lightly. I try not to have you know, very firm convictions because I recognize that when you move up an organization, your information is limited because you have a greater breadth of responsibility. I'm Sharon Richmond. I'm an executive coach and consultant with more than 30 years experience working with C-level executives. To Lead as Human is the podcast for you if you want to supercharge your leadership by bringing all of yourself into your role. Listen as our guests reveal their hard-won lessons and share their deep humanity. I think the turning point for me was when I realized that I want people to tell me what they think and they're afraid. They were honest to God, afraid to tell me things. It's like, I checked all the damn boxes, but I am so alone and I'm so unhappy. I'm burning myself out. And when I started looking at like, you know, my fears going into the shadows, sharing it with others, the very thing that would be a nightmare for most people in the workplace is the very thing that led me to my dreams. My guests know that the influence they have as top leaders comes with an equal measure of responsibility for all their stakeholders. They not only deliver great results for their customers and investors, they do so by building organizations that provide purpose, meaning, and a healthy work environment for their employees. One of the hallmarks of good leadership is clarity. If there isn't clarity around the goals, that creates confusion, that that creates chaos. What's the end goal? What are we trying to achieve? And that makes people's jobs more purposeful. And people are clearly enjoying that. People who are making their own decisions, they're significantly more motivated in doing what they're doing. Yeah, I've really seen the maturity and growth of those individuals. And I think that we've now kind of really been able to create a lot of autonomy and give people a lot of freedom to do their best work. So not rocket science, nothing too crazy, but uh, you know, that was definitely a journey. I hope you'll join us every other week 
as we talk with these inspiring leaders and learn from the very human challenges and successes they've experienced on their own leadership journeys. And you asked me questions that I was like, gosh, I'm not sure I know what my values are. So I know they're there, but I'm not sure that they're articulated. So thanks for asking me those questions. They were hard.